Welcome to episode 99 of Between the Times, a podcast of Christ Church Presbyterian. Uh, we are so uh, grateful to be here uh, this morning together again. It's been a while, but it's wonderful to be here with my uh, good friends and, and comrades and brothers in Christ, uh, Pastor Michael Bauer, who is the uh, assistant pastor at Christ Church Presbyterian, and also my uh, good friend, Dr. Gabriel Williams, a professor at College of Charleston, also a longtime member of Christ Church Presbyterian, and it's so great to be together again, guys. It's good seeing you again. It's good to be back. Good to be back here. We're uh, we're hoping to uh, get this on a weekly rotation. Now we have a, a weekly time that we've set up where we will be getting together, so it's going to be a fixed part of our schedule, uh, God willing. And uh, so you should be looking out for weekly episodes now that will be coming out. Uh, and also, we are hoping to do some interviews in the future to uh, connect with authors and uh, pastors from uh, around uh, the world uh, who will be able to give us some insight into uh, what God's Word teaches on various subjects, as well as touch points with uh, cultural issues. And uh, so we hope that you'll, you'll join us in the future and, and uh, subscribe to us on iTunes and, uh, and follow us uh, uh, as as you can, and so we're we're glad to be here today. Um, the the topic of our discussion today is uh, none other than the holiness of God, uh, the holiness of God. We are uh, presently studying uh, the holiness of God in our Thursday morning men's and women's Bible studies, and we're using the classic work by uh, the late uh, Dr. R. C. Sproul uh, entitled "The Holiness of God." Of course. Uh, the, the the book that in many ways uh, launched Dr. Sproul into the, the public eye as a uh, authoritative uh, teacher of scripture and helping uh, all of us to understand better this important uh, attribute of God. And uh, we've been uh, learning a lot over the last three weeks in our study. If you are a member or a regular attender of Christ Church or from the area and you'd like to join us, we'd love for you to join our, our study. We're we're just in the in the beginning stages of it, and so we'd love for you to join us for that. We have plenty of books uh, still available, R.C. Sproul uh, books available, um, and would love for you to join us. But um, we've we've been learning a lot about uh, the holiness of God, and uh, R.C. Sproul he he begins his classic work kind of talking about his own um, experience with the holiness of God. Almost mm-hmm. he calls it like a second conversion when he. Uh, not only was a Christian, but realized that there was something more to God than he really had thought deeply about in the past. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, what what did you take away, uh, gentlemen, from that uh, that opening chapter? And perhaps how does that relate to your own life? And then I'll ask a, th- a third question on that: uh, How does the holiness of God uh, apply to uh, various aspects of of our Christian lives and of church life? I think the reality of God's holiness means that God is inescapable from us in fundamental ways. And so God is not just a figure who is bigger and more important than us. He's not just a king who is powerful. He is the sovereign God over all of creation. And he stands so far exalted above us, so far exalted in his excellence, his splendor, his greatness, his majesty, that words are not sufficient to describe him. Mm -hmm. And 
R.C. Sproul's experience in that sense is you know similar to my own, in that when a person comes to Christ, obviously there are many things they do not know about God. They know what the gospel says about God himself. But when you have the time to meditate and consider what scripture itself says about who God is, and again, we're using human language as analogous, it's not getting everything that you can get, but just what scripture says about the glory of God, it's described in the most fantastic language you can put mm -hmm. together. Think of Ezekiel's vision of the glory of God, wheels within the wheels, eyes all around, things like that. Think about Isaiah 6 in which it is said that the train of God's robe fills the entire temple. So you're, you're thinking about the reality that God is not just the creator, the redeemer. He is the transcendent Lord of everything. And his presence ought to therefore, and this is kind of Sproul's experience, his presence in one sense is uh, fascinating, intriguing, kind of like, as John mentioned, going to a, uh, a large cathedral in Europe. But in another sense, it's terrifying. Hmm. It's awe-inspiring. It's, in some sense, a repulsive feeling because you know how can anyone dwell in the presence of this holy God. You know you can't. But God permits it to happen in a mysterious and gracious way. So, and when, and when we think about the holiness of God, we must think about it as uh, God is other. Yes. He's distinct He's from His creation. Mm -hmm. He is set apart from His creation. And idolatry, of course, uh, uh, false religion, hmm. will combine Yes. Uh, God and his creation, as it were. Exactly. Uh, so that you can have a man, as it says in the prophets, that will make a, get a block of wood and uh, uh, fashion out a bowl out of part of it and an idol out of the other part. Mm -hmm. And while they're eating out of the bowl, uh, they're also using from that same wood that which they worship. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is, this is idolatry. It's worshiping, worshiping the cre creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever amen right and and so when we think about the holiness of god it is so important uh this that we understand this this attribute because it truly distinguishes god from his creation he is not like us in this amen. way and that's precisely why when people encounter the holiness and the majesty of god they say things like uh like um, Peter, go go away from me, Lord. Mm -hmm. I am an, an unclean man. Or Isaiah, I I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the land of a people with unclean lips. Mm -hmm. That's the response is fear, and that's why the angels are constantly saying, "What fear not? Yeah. Do not be afraid." Because the first reaction of 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 Zechariah, the first reaction of Mary, the first reaction of others coming in contact with angels who's not even God himself, but an angel of God, mm -hmm. are, are fearful. John falling down, right, yes. uh, before the angel in Revelation. And what did the angel say? Get up. Don't uh, do not worship, worship God. Me. Yeah, <laughs> don't worship me. Worship God. Uh, so this concept of holiness is, is really central yeah. uh, to our understanding of God. Hmm. Yeah, the, the Lord was very gracious to me uh, early on in my college experience to, uh, to, to open my eyes to his holiness, actually by... by reading this book, uh, mm. The Holiness of God. And uh, I can remember my uh, second conversion, as Sproul calls it, it's <laughs> certainly not as dramatic as his, um, but, uh, but I can remember reading uh, particularly chapter 2, which talks about Isaiah chapter 6. Um, 
and 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 sitting in the coffee shop at, at college. I, I had grown up in an evangelical church, but I never really interacted with Calvinism mm-hmm. in any real way, and was just starting to. And read this chapter, and my my eyes were were certainly open to uh, seeing the the holiness of God and and what that means for my relationship to Him, mm-hmm. uh, and and to, to reinforce that Creator creature distinction that you're talking about um what was so vital to me in that time in my life and uh and this book is just wonderfully uh written to to help us with that to to keep that in mind we considered this morning uh the importance of understanding the holiness of god as it relates to the gospel Uh and in light of that we considered the teaching of the old testament and how God is, is, is holy, his name is holy, but also he calls things holy in relation to him and to the worship of the people of Israel. How does all of this uh, connect us to our understanding of the gospel? Why is it so vital that we understand the doctrine of the holiness of God as it relates to our salvation in Jesus Christ? Well, one of the expressions that R.C. Sproul is known for saying is that God is holy and we aren't. That's the fundamental problem. And that problem appears in many different forms. And so uh, Pastor Micah was going through his sermon series on Leviticus, and you see the intricate ways in which God gives a system that is meant to ceremonially clean, uh, cleanse the actual people mm-hmm. so they can approach God. And you should interpret that as, one sense, a pedagogical teaching tool. Mm-hmm. Because what is meant to train you to see is that no person on their own can ever approach this holy God. There must be a setting apart, a consecration. And so the first aspect that relates this together is that to say that God is holy means you must be consecrated before you can approach him. Mm-hmm. And that means whatever is, you can say, common or profane about you has to be cleansed in some basic sort of fashion. Mm -hmm. But the difference is that when we're talking about the gospel, the people are those who need to be consecrated. It's not just the items that the people touch. It's not just the clothing. It's not just the robes. It's not just the foods. The people are common and profane. That means the people need to be consecrated. And if you think of the picture of Leviticus, you have blood being constantly sprinkled, poured out. You have multiple different sacrifices for intentional and unintentional sins. You have multiple different uh, sacrifices to re-consecrate that which has already been made profane. You have ceremonial cleansing that needs to happen because you come in contact with other things that are unclean. But if you think about what a Christian is, the Christian is... And his heart is unclean, yes. and therefore everything that they come in contact with is unclean. They are made more unclean by the things they interact with, the people they deal with, the sins they indulge in. All of these things are making a person profane, common. So in terms of kind of Leviticus language, not only are you unclean, meaning that you're not set apart, you're also sinful. You are multiple levels behind. <laughs> so that means you must have sin dealt with, and then you must be consecrated. Yeah. Who shall ascend my holy hill? Yeah. It's not who has clean hands and a, a pure, pure heart. heart. Exactly. It's not just enough to say your sins are forgiven. You must have a clean heart. Mm. 
that's more than just simply saying that God doesn't impute your sins to you. There must be wholeness, cleanness, consecration there. Yes, and the entire Old Testament ceremonial sacrificial system was to reinforce that idea mm -hmm. that blood must be shed for the forgiveness of sins. Amen. And, and so all of it is anticipatory. Mm -hmm. All of it is, is looking forward to that which is to come, which Amen. is all of these lambs being slain over the course of mm -hmm. centuries is all to look to the lamb mm -hmm. who would take away the sin of the world. All of it finds its realization in Jesus Christ, yeah, the lamb right. of God who was slain for sinners. And so what can wash away our sin? Nothing but, but the, the blood, blood of, Jesus, of Jesus, right? And, and, and so the, the, the problem happens even within our uh, own circles uh, is when you put the focus on the form the form, which becomes formalism, and only looking at the outward rather than the inward. Because it was terrible when the Old Testament believers were doing everything on the outside that was right, ceremonially, but inside they were not living by faith and then they were living you know, sinful lives. And so they... They, they were not looking to God's promises, his covenant promises fulfilled in Christ. They were saying, well, if I, as long as I do all of these things, I'm going to be okay. And those mm -hmm. priests came right into the, mm -hmm. the days of Christ, and they rejected the Messiah because they thought, well, I've got all my, my uh, formal religious actions in order. I'm, I'm, I'm tithing. I'm, I'm uh, fasting. I'm, I'm doing all the rules and the traditions. But the reality is they were very far from God because their hearts hadn't been cleansed. They, they didn't recognize how far they were from the exactly. holiness of God and the need for redemption through shed blood, right? Amen. So one of the other realities that this tells us, it gives you a sense of how you ought to live. And so one of the things that is a, you can say is part of the spirit of this age is that we no longer respect reverence. We tend to prefer inform, informal things. And we also tend to prefer things not to be serious, just broadly speaking. Mm -hmm. And that's connected to the reality that we have lost a sense of what it means for God to be holy, which therefore means we have lost what it means for us to be holy as people. When God's people are called to be holy, it implies a certain sense of seriousness. And applies a distinction. It means that you no longer live for yourself. Therefore, you're now consecrated for God's use. It's an analogy I always use in my head is think about the Nazarite vows of the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. That when you had someone who was going to uh, become a Nazarite or they were devoted to that, think about what they had to abstain from. It's not merely that they are just good Israelites. There is a different level of separation. Yes, And you think of the Christian church, it's not merely that we are saved by God's grace. That's a period, end of statement, mm -hmm. that's the gospel. The command of the New Testament is that God's people must be holy as he is holy. So God's distinction and separation from the rest of creation extends to us, how we ought to live, how yes. we ought to treat things. And so one of the things we discussed in our Bible study is, that holiness means that we must make clear distinctions between what God has set apart as holy and what things mm -hmm. aren't in that sense. So we think about the Lord's Day as the Christian Sabbath. It is a day set apart for God's purpose. 
it is holy and therefore it must be treated as such. And if you are interested, the Westminster Larger Catechism discusses this in detail that because the Lord's day is a holy day, sins committed on that day have greater penalties attached mm. to it. Mm. That tells you how the Westminster divines themselves yeah. view the Lord's day. Right. It's yeah. not just an ordinary day that you just go to church. It is a day in which God has his special presence attached to his promises to his people. So you have God's people set apart, the day set apart, worship set apart from ordinary activities. All of that is meant to create the sense of seriousness and reverence in how we approach God. That's right. And we see that in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, uh, where Peter writes, uh, after explicating the marvelous salvation uh, that has been accomplished uh, through Jesus Christ, he says, in light of this salvation, verse 13, 1 Peter 1, 13, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you, that's that efficacious calling of the Holy Spirit, as he who called you is holy, so you also be holy in all your conduct. Mm. It's not some, That's not right. most, but all of your conduct. We hold nothing back. We, we uh, in every area of our lives, seek to live in a way that is set apart and distinct. We are in the world, but not what? Of the world. Of the world. Uh, we are in the world, but the world is not in us, mm -hmm. right? And then he says, since it is written, so he gives Old Testament um, foundation for this. Since it is written, and it is in Leviticus, you shall be holy, for I am holy. That's right. mm -hmm. so, so we are called to reflect the holiness of God as his children. We are called to live holy lives. One important principle of this is, is that we need to keep in mind that the Lord gives what he commands. And so he is commanding us to be holy, but he's also giving us the means by which we can be holy. Amen. He's given us his law. He's given us his Holy Spirit mm. who guides us. He's given us Christ as an example of what a holy life looks like. And, and so the Lord is gracious to us even in this high calling that we have as Christians. Yes, think of how ridiculous it is really to not think of holiness as central to the Christian life, yes. as central to our piety. Mm. Our Holy Father sent His eternal Holy Son into the world to uh, be born of a virgin, to become man without ceasing to be God, to live in perfect conformity to the law of God, perfect to, holiness. in perfect holiness mm. uh, His entire 33 years. And then as a, a, a perfect lamb, spotless lamb, who has obeyed the law in every part, lays his life down on the cursed cross and is, takes upon our sin. Mm -hmm. And he pays for our sin. He pays the debt of our sin. And then uh, he dies, goes in the tomb, rises on the third day, and appears for 40 days to his disciples, ascends into heaven, and is exalted, and is one day coming again, that God, the Holy Father, sent Jesus into the world to do that precisely because we are sinners Amen. and we need His grace. Amen. And we need holiness. That's right. He knows we need holiness to dwell with Him. Mm. His eyes too holy mm. that it cannot look upon sin, and and over and we can't dwell with God forever in a state of wickedness. Right. Yeah. So He comes. Our sins are atoned for. 
And then he gives us, he pours out the Holy Spirit upon yeah. the church. And so our Holy Father sends his Holy Son to die for us, and, and the Holy Spirit is given to us. How could we think that the Christian life was not about living in his holiness? We're commanded to be holy as the Lord is holy. But it all flows from the gospel. Mm -hmm. It's our union with Christ mm -hmm. that, that, that empowers us to be holy and strengthens us to be holy. And when we fail to live as we ought, we find our refuge in Christ and his forgiveness and his mercy. So it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Holy, we shouldn't look at holiness as, well, that's just a bunch of legalists talking about living holy lives. It's the opposite of that. It's, it's living in the gospel. As, as, and, and I think the Puritans used to call it gospel holiness. You know? <laughs> and that's, that's exactly what it is. Well, brothers, it's a great subject. Again, I do want to invite any who um, are not currently attending the Bible study uh, to come join us. The men's studies at 7 a.m. on Thursday mornings. The women's studies at 9.30 a.m. on uh, Thursday mornings, and we would love for you to join us. It's a great time of fellowship, prayer, and study of this important doctrine, the holiness of God. And we hope you'll join us next time on Between the Times. Mm -hmm.